the historic bells of Albany City Hall. Welcome to Albany Street, a public affairs presentation of Albany Broadcasting. And welcome to this episode of Albany Street here on the Albany Broadcasting Family Networks. I'm Brian Cady here with you on another Sunday morning. Been a uh, wonderful start to the year. Obviously, the last couple weeks we had Bishop Edward Scharfenberger from the Albany Roman Catholic Diocese. And now we're going to stay in the Albany area as we are joined now over the telephone by the Albany County Sheriff himself, Craig Apple. Uh, Sheriff Apple, thank you very much for joining the program. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely not a problem. So real quick, just because I personally just took over this show about three and a half months ago, and I know this is our first conversation since I became the host. So just want to get to know you a little bit as far as like your background, how you ended up. I, from what I understand, just briefly, I know you were, I think you were born and raised around here, if I remember correctly. Um, and just like yeah. how you eventually found yourself in the Albany County Sheriff's Office. Um, well, I was born and raised in this county. Um, I was born in the town of Colony and um, at a very, very, very young age, went down and grew up in Bethlehem. And then around 1989 or 90, I moved into the town of Colony again. Basically, in growing up in South Bethlehem, which is a rural part of the county, rural part of the town of Bethlehem, <clears throat> I was a uh, my father was a volunteer firefighter and a volunteer uh, medic for the uh, Bethlehem Rescue Squad, and um, so I used to go on calls with him. And um, afterwards, uh, every day around three o'clock, these two um, deputy sheriffs used to come down and they'd stop in and shoot the breeze with everybody. And I used to talk to them. And then as I got older, they were like, "Why don't you take the test?" And um, next thing you know, in, uh, in nineteen 1987, I started as a correction officer, and then around 89, I went out, um, became a deputy sheriff on patrol, and here I am 36 years later as the sheriff of this great county. So was getting into law enforcement something you always had as, as a dream or a goal when you were growing up, or was this just something that kind of developed over time because of the relationship with your father and then eventually meeting these deputy sheriffs? No, I always um, was fascinated by public safety, um, whether it was fire, EMS, or even um, law enforcement. And, you know, I, I always thought of maybe more becoming like a Bethlehem police officer. And then when an opportunity to join the sheriff's office, I really didn't know much about the sheriff's office. And then when I got the opportunity, I jumped at it. And um, I kind of, uh, I, I liked the sheriff's office a lot. Obviously, I stayed here for 36 years, but it's very, um, it's a very broad agency. It's very, it's very wide as far as we have all of the disciplines of public safety. So what I mean by that is we have a jail. We have a very large jail, one of the fifth largest, I believe, in the state of New York. Um, so we have corrections. We run 911 for the county. So we have dispatchers. We have a very large EMS division where we have paramedics and EMTs every day out running ambulances, keeping our, our residents safe and providing a service. Then, of course, we have deputy sheriffs. And then, of course, we have the fire coordinator's office, which is um, very important as well. We try to get as many resources and administer volunteer fire companies and help them um, with training and recruitment and retention. So um, it's a fascinating agency. Um, I love it. I've grown up in it. One of the most, um, I don't know, one of the proudest parts of my career is the opportunity to lead it. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, or started mentioning the the depth of the force with all the various divisions within the Albany County Sheriff's Office. Is there a specific unit um, since your time taking over as the sheriff of Albany County? Is there a certain unit or group of units that you take maybe like a certain pride in as far as maybe certain developments or progressions that have been made in, whether it be just uh, enlarging the force or certain technologies they've taken on? Anything specific jump to mind for you? Well, 
you could put me in a bad position if I told you I favored one unit over the other. But um, with that said, it's going to sound a little bit um, corny, but I actually favor all of them because we've expanded our law enforcement division probably by 50 to 60 percent. We've built a new station for them, um, provide them with the latest technology, and um, we started our own police academy where we do our own training. And I'm very proud of that. With our EMS division, we started running ambulances about seven or eight years ago, and we've built that up to be a premier EMS agency, the only sheriff's office in the entire Northeast, um, not of New York, but of the entire Northeast that does that. Um, So I'm very proud of that as well. Our jail, we have so many programs over there where we're trying to turn people around and release somebody um, much better than when they came in and let them lead a healthy and productive life. And we help homeless. We help the addicted. You know, we've helped those fighting mental illness. So I'm very proud of that as well. And fire coordinators, we've done some incredible things to enhance training and retention. We built a simulated trailer because so many training um, towers are in, in great disrepair. So we build, now we, we take a trailer to their firehouse. They can they don't have to travel out. They can go right there. We have simulated fire, simulated smoke, everything. We have trap doors that can change. So it's, um, it's a really neat training device that we built ourselves. Um, and then, of course, 911. I'm on the um, final phase of rolling out a brand new um, state-of-the-art cutting technology, cutting edge of technology, 911 center, which should be done probably no later than the end of February. Um, obviously, the national back orders have got us um, tied down a little bit on two generators, but once they're in, we're ready to go. So um, I can't say that I favor one unit, but um, I'm very proud of the work that the men and women in these units throughout this department are doing because they are staying um, forward thinking and cutting edge. Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple joining me here on Albany Street, here on the Albany Broadcasting Family and Networks. And uh, one unit specifically that I just wanted to bring up real quick because it seems to be one of the units that gets the most attention, especially during the holidays, and that would be the Stop DWI unit. In general, how do you feel the the job has been done within that unit? And maybe what are the things, like are there certain focuses coming forward from that as far as like continuing to spread the message about obviously DWI and obviously the other big things are um, click it or ticket, you know, the seatbelts programs that exist. What about the safeties in general? Our Stop DWI unit, um, recently we had a retirement with Tracy Mance for Sergeant Mance. She retired after leading that unit for quite some time. I have her back part-time still helping out, and it was recently taken over by First Sergeant Michael Mahan. We're building back on our Stop DWI because COVID really hurt us a lot. Fewer tickets, fewer campaigns, um, obviously fewer, uh, much less revenue coming back. And we do a thing called the Victim Impact Panel. And we were the first ones in the state to um, to start the victim impact panel. And what that is, is folks that get a DWI have to come back and sit through this and hear the stories of victims, suffered losses, whatever, permanent injuries, whatever the case may be. And it's um, it's very touching. And we're starting those back up in person. We did some virtuals over COVID. Otherwise, we would have been backed up by thousands, which is kind of sad. And, you know, when it comes to Stop TWI, everybody's like, well, how many did you get? How many did you get today? You know, and listen, our goal is to set out and get zero. If we come back with no arrest, to me, that's a grand slam. We're doing our job and people are heeding the warnings and, you know, buzz driving is drunk driving. They're not they're not driving. You've got Uber, you've got Lyft, um, all these different, you know, apps out there to keep people safe. So our goal is to get zero. But unfortunately, you know, when we do sweeps, we still get some. The number's kind of high. As far as seatbelts and click it or ticket, seatbelt 
usage, I think, is at an all-time high. And, um, you know, some things are kind of generational. And, and I say that by, like, when I grew up, seatbelts weren't – it wasn't illegal to not wear it. You know, it was maybe irresponsible for your parents not to put it on you, but it wasn't illegal. And if you think back, you've had the old station wagons with the jumper seat in the back. And, you know, you had Subaru Brats where you had kids that could sit in the back. I mean, all those, those things were all permitted. And then as, um, you know, information and technology advanced um, and a lot of technology started coming around, you started to learn, oh, my gosh, this is the most unsafe thing you can do. So people are wearing them. And we have a very good um, compliance rate with seatbelts. Car seats, again, people use them. They understand that. They understand that your child be- could become a missile right through the front or rear window. So things like that aren't the issue. Um, one of our biggest issues is distracted driving and drunken driving. Distracted driving, you know, when it first became a law, a lot of people obeyed it. Now I'll sit at a red light in uniform and I'll look over and the lady will, uh, you know, have her phone and I'll kind of like raise my hands like, what are you doing? And she'll be like, just a second. So, you know, people with that are not getting it. They don't understand that, you know, taking your eyes off the road to dial or text, whatever, you have a, anywhere from a 3,500 pound to a 6,000 pound missile traveling a football field just like that. So um, we have our work to do, but um, you know what? We've, we've been working hard to get the message out and, um, and we're going to continue to work hard. I personally am a fan of kind of like rebranding the Stop DWI unit. I want to come up with some sort of new name. Um, I don't think by law we can change Stop DWI because a lot of it comes from federal funding. But I just think that it's been around so long that people aren't taking it serious. And that's something that I want to try and change. So you actually bring up something very interesting. Uh, so I'll just give a follow-up question. You know, not including any violent crimes. Obviously, that's that's a whole other category within itself. As far as just general nonviolent crimes concerned, would you say at this point distracted driving has maybe taken a leapfrog over DWI, or do you still find that DWIs are still the forefront of things that are of concern uh, ahead of distracted driving still? Oh, I think distracted driving is a major cause for a lot of collisions and fatalities out there. It happens, like I said, you know, driving down the highway, you see somebody swerving. You think there's their DWI and I'll get up on the side of them and I'll look over and they're on their darn phone. And I'm like, gosh, with all the technology and hands-free driving and headsets and everything under the sun, people are still compelled to get on their phone. And again, you're talking anywhere. When you take your eyes off the road, your car is a minimum of 3,500, maybe up to 6,500 pounds. That's a missile that traveled the football field just like that. And, um, you know, people don't understand that, you know, there's other lives. You're risking your own life, your family's life, let alone others that are sharing the roadway with you. I'll take a quick time out. We get back more with Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple right here on Albany Street. The historic bells of Albany City Hall return us to Albany Street, a public affairs presentation of Albany Broadcasting. Welcome back to Albany Street here on the Albany Broadcasting Family Networks. I'm Brian Cady. And if you were unable to catch any part of this show at all, whether it be the previous segment or if you're going to miss some of this segment, you can always check out the podcast version of this show. It'll be going live right after this show goes off the air. You can find it on B95.com slash Albany Street. Or if you just want to look it up on your podcast networks, look it up on Spotify or Google Play as of right now as we continue to expand the podcasting platform 
forms in. I'm rejoined by Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple. And just wanted to begin this part by just discussing real quick the, the vast size of the county, because I feel like when you say Albany County, it's like, okay, city of Albany, yeah, okay, whatever. But I, I feel like the, the, the actual amount of municipalities that fall under the county, not a lot of people recognize that, you know, we're talking Albany all the way out to Burn, to Voorheesville, to Ravina and Queemans. Like, we're all talking over 500 square miles here. Is that, you ever find yourself kind of like, geez, this is a lot to keep up with around the county. Yeah, well, you know what? As um, Unfortunately, as some of our laws have changed and different regulations have changed, um, it's busy. Uh, I think every public safety agency in the county, regardless of what your role is, whether you're a paramedic, a dispatcher, a correction officer, a police officer, a firefighter, whatever, you're busy. And a lot of that is because there's just not that great desire, that overwhelming desire to get into public safety nowadays. Some say it's money. Some say it's, you know, some of the events over the past few years. Some say it's laws. Whatever the reason be, we're not getting the interest. And therefore, you run short. Therefore, you know, you're paying out overtime and you're putting an extra burden on all your staff. And um, it's just a very bizarre time. I never really thought I'd see that since, you know, years ago, hundreds and hundreds of people would take your tests for whatever position. Now we're getting maybe a hundred persons um, to take it and um, many of them turn it down or are unqualified. And I think if you get into um, the events that happened in Memphis, um, you can see what happens when underqualified people get positions. You mentioned the events in Memphis involving uh, Mr. Nichols and what happened to him and and the, uh, the like five, about a half dozen police officers that were on the scene for that incident. Now, we're not going to break down the incident per se, but since you brought it up, I guess we'll kind of transition into that. Do you feel like events like that and others that have happened over, say, the last, I don't know, decade or so, for example, and because of all the publicity they get in the national media, has to do or at least has a, a good part to do with the declined numbers that you just mentioned? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with, has a huge part to do with why we're not getting the interest. So we know what happened with Floyd and, um, you know, we know what happened to our country and, but a lot of good reforms came out of it. And then things started, you know, olive branches were out there and bridges were being built and everything else. And, you know, you're making inroads in the community and then, um, you know, five idiots screw it up again. And that number may be more than five. And here we are again, starting over, building bridges, trying to, you know, still continue to have a working relationship with the community that you serve and let them know that, listen, we're here for you. We're your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, and we serve you. We're here for you. And um, and that's a hard job. And that's something that, you know, we work very hard in the sheriff's office to do, not just Monday through Friday, but seven days a week. Um, we're hitting events and letting the people know, you know, what our agency is all about and um, and what we want to do for you and how we keep you safe. And obviously, uh, you mentioned uh, relationships and um, you referred to the, the Floyd incident that really sparked the whole Black Lives Matter movement and all of that. But in the end, it's just about somehow winning over people again with their hearts and minds to recognize that law enforcement officials aren't the enemy. They're there to be your partner in the end and right. ensure your safety. So obviously uh, these things that are happening, they've got to continue making things that much more difficult for you to establish that. 
Yeah, well, it's the epitome of, you know, two steps forward and three back, right? So, again, you know, we work hard every day to try to build inroads and to, you know, and try to diversify our ranks. And I have people all the time, if I have a graduating class of, um, you know, I'll just say 10, 10 people. More times than not, it's usually about seven to eight white men and um, maybe one or two white females. Now, granted, there is, you know, there is some diversity built in, but I'm just using a hypothetical. And then I'll put the, um, I'll put that picture up and I'll get criticized that usually the line that I get is where are the people of color? And, you know, and I, and I know it gets frustrating for folks on the outside, but what they don't understand is that we work hard to try to diversify, but I can't force people to take the test. I can't force people to take the job. And, you know, that's why when local higher education institutions call, like, hey, do you have internships? Hudson Valley, Schenectady Community, UAlbany, um, we'll be like, yes, we'll take them in a heartbeat because I hope with between our Explorers Post and our internships that we can get folks interested in public safety. I'm not saying just deputy sheriffs, but maybe you want to be a dispatcher or maybe you want to drive an ambulance or maybe you want to get involved in the fire service or be a correction officer or get involved in emergency management. We have a very robust emergency management unit, which is getting bigger and bigger every year. I mean, there's a lot of different opportunities, but I always tell everybody that, you know, is ridiculing us on the outside. If you want to get involved, take the test and become part of this. Be part of the solution and get involved and help keep your community safe. We talked earlier about the the size of the county and the different jurisdictions involved. So I just wanted to ask real quick the importance of not just your relationship with the different uh, the local entities and, and their specific law enforcement, whether it be the Albany City of Albany Police or Town of Colony, whoever it may be, the importance of keeping relationships with their specific law enforcement agencies, as well as uh, the relationship with David Soares and his district attorney's office. Both very important. We regularly are dealing with our partners. Listen, nobody can fight these battles alone, you know, and, and also there's kind of power in numbers when you're looking to let the public know about, you know, some legislation that you don't agree with. As far as the DA, he's been an incredible partner here in the sheriff's office. And I think he's been a great voice for, for the general public in this county, his constituents. You know, I mean, it's very hard to step out of your comfort zone and let people know the truth about certain pieces of legislation or proposed legislation even. And he's, I think, been very clear on that. Um, partnerships and stuff like that with um, with our area PDs, um, you know, we work closely with Albany and we have members on federal task forces as well, and as well as our, the troopers, you know. I mean, again, nobody can really do it alone anymore. So so everybody relies on uh, sharing of intelligence, sharing of data, sharing of people, you know, assisting with details and things like that. I mean, that's all stuff that's regularly um, occurring. Just the public may not see it every day. And you mentioned the various legislation that could potentially be brought up by District Attorney David Sorzer. One thing that I discussed with him when I had him on the show was bail reform and just the constant debate that's been going on between different members of legislature and so on and so forth. What is your stance as far as where the bail reform has evolved into today, how it could improve potentially down the road? So, look, I don't want to really get in, do a deep dive into bail reform. We've been pretty, pretty public with our comments regarding, um, I just think some of it is flawed legis- legislation. I think there did need to be change. But again, you know, um, pardon the cliche, we threw the baby out with the, uh, you know, the baby out with the bathwater. And one of my biggest gripes with legislation is that they don't ever seem to talk about, talk to the people in the trenches that are doing the work every day. And 
I see it with all different types, not just with police, but with corrections, EMS. I see it with the Mohawk Huts and Humane Society. So I really think that we need to do a better job of really having a few hearings maybe or get the people that are you know, doing this every day, have them come up and talk about it. Have some victims of some crime maybe come up and share their experience. It just some of the things that go on, I, I kind of shake my head and I'm going, who did that or who's pushing that? And, you know, and I know a lot of things are, in fact, pushed by downstate. And that's true. But I just think the general public really needs to get involved. Um, a lot of people don't like to get involved unless it affects them. And, you know, they don't like to come outside their bubble. And um, we're kind of like in a battle and we need people to come outside of their bubble. We need people to engage and let their electeds know, um, listen, we don't we're not going to stand for this. Bail reform needs changes, plain and simple. Um, halt needs changes, plain and simple. I mean, there's so many things that got passed, and I'm like, what is this? I mean, our, our prisons and county jails are more dangerous now than ever. And some of the restrictions that were just placed on putting people in special housing and, and segregation, things like that, um, are insane. We have very violent people in jail. Granted, there are some that are, are um, you know, low-level offenders, but, you know, unfortunately are paying a debt. But a lot of people in prisons right now are extremely dangerous. You know, we're pulling porcelain razor blades from people's body cavity. We're pulling drugs from people's body cavity. I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on right now, and our correction officers have it more dangerous than anyone. So I just wish that we would be asked to come and testify at a hearing, come and talk about your experience, come and see what the adverse effects of this legislation would be before it's forced down someone's throat. And then, you know, you've got people just using a revolving door. Seems like legislature legislature is basically just putting it just it just puts law enforcement and even judges in a way in a bad position because there's only so much that can be done within the the way things have conformed over the recent years. Is that 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 be I think a good summation of what we're looking at, right? Yes, basically yes. Um, there's a lot that I think could be changed. I understand, you know, you can't you can't um, have everything your way. I think the judges have every right um, being elected by the people to have um, the ability to think about dangerousness when they're making a decision. Um, I think that's huge. And, and granted, you know what, bail was used, I guess you should kind of say inappropriately because it's not supposed to be punitive. It's supposed to assure that a person is going to return to court. And now you have to use the least restrictive mean. Um, many times that means checking in with probation. And um, so they check in initially and they never come back. We've had young individuals with guns get arrested, get released, get arrested with guns, get released, um, and eventually have an adjudication that is so upsetting it's not even funny. That's happening. So I just think that I really would love to see more people um, in our in our county really get involved and um, and help us fight this. And um, because ultimately, you know, I don't wish harm on anybody, but a lot of people don't want to get involved unless it affects them. And I don't want that to happen. I, let's let's try to make some changes before it does. Very well put, Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple. Uh, I definitely appreciate your time here on the show, so thank you for joining me. And uh, we'll definitely uh, try to make this a, a more frequent appearance. Thank you again. Awesome. Have a great day. Yep, you too. That was Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple joining us here on Albany Street. Once again, don't forget, if you missed any part of today's show, you can check it out right after 
and we are done here on B95.com backslash Albany dash street or look us up on Spotify or Google Play. That being said, thank you again for checking into the show this week, and we'll catch you again next week with a brand new episode of Albany Street. The historic bells of Albany City Hall close out another edition of Albany Street, a public affairs presentation of Albany Broadcasting. This program pre-recorded. <laughs>